Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Uh, it's good to see all of you on this dreary and chilly and rainy day at Pleasant Street Christian Reformed Church. Welcome to those of you who are with us each week. Welcome to those of you who are guests and who are visitors with us, too. My name is Matthew. I'm the pastor here at Pleasant Street, and on behalf of our whole community, it is good to see all of you and to be together, whether you are here with us in person or whether you're with us online. Today is a very special day in the life of our church because this is something that we call Family Sunday. And on Family Sundays, we have an opportunity every once in a while as a church to remember that we are a family of all ages. We have a chance to remember together that when we gather for worship, we do so as people who know how to read and people who don't, as people who come from different families with different last names and who live in different countries and who read different kinds of books and who are learning different kinds of things. We in the family of God, come because we have heard Jesus call us by name and invite us to be here. And those are the conditions for being part of this family. And it is a wonderful thing to remember how big and great it is and how much he wants every single one of us to be part of that. And today we are doing what the family does. We are gathering to worship the Lord together. Our older brother, Jesus, who gave himself for our sins and who teaches us what our father is like. And we get to do that together by singing and by saying some prayers and by hearing the Word of God together. And because it's a family, there's a couple of things I want to highlight for you about ha things happening in the life of our church. One is to mention that in a few weeks, we have an important lecture conversation coming up right here in the sanctuary on May 13th at 9.30 in the morning, uh, similar time to when you all gather here on Sundays. We have Dr. Rebecca McLaughlin coming to join us to talk about some important issues around how Christianity relates to a changing secular world around us. Please do come and join us for that. We will have some breakfast for you. Please, we hope you can come and invite your friends. It's free. The other thing to highlight for you about things happening in the life of our church is that uh, softball season has started uh, for our men. And the first home game is, hopefully, depending on the weather, tomorrow night uh, at 6 p.m. at Whitensville Christian School. Uh, please do come and join them. Some of the guys from the team will be handing out schedules uh, today, so you can find them around. If you want to know when other games are, please join us for that. Finally, one last important thing to highlight is that today uh, we have the Gems with us who will be helping to lead us in worship this is a program for uh, girls uh, and women in our church and in our community to learn about God together. And I'm going to hand it over to them. Well, they're all going to come stand next to me, so this is good. Come on, you can come out. <laughs> Actually, in our church, this is our 64th year of GEMS and Calvinettes, as it formerly used to be known. We are the oldest GEMS organization in the CRC. Um, we started the second year of GEMS, and the first group, actually, that church has disbanded, unfortunately. So we have a long history of GEMS and Calvinettes. I am asking one favor. If you are ever a GEM, Calvinette, busy bee, um, or a leader, would you please stand for one moment? Because the girls want to see how many of you were involved in the ministry. Thank you. You can sit down now. 
I know there are a lot more many that are probably watching on TV or elsewhere, but they kind of wanted to see the depth of the ministry and how it has grown over the years. Um, this is the 50th year that we've actually had a theme verse, that is Micah 6, verse 8, and that is what our liturgy today is based upon. Please follow in the call to worship. For 50 years, girls and women from generation to generation have been uniting their voices to recite Micah 6, verse 8 in their GEMS clubs. Whether their club is in Canada, the U.S., Uganda, and 13 other countries around the world, it sounds like this. What does the Lord require of us? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. Micah 6, verse 8. This is who God is. In Jeremiah 9, verse 24, the Lord declares, I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight. In grateful response to who he is and what he's done for us through Jesus, we act love and walk. We act justly by taking action and doing what is right. Blessed are those who act justly, who always do what is we love mercy by serving one another with love, kindness, and compassion. Serve one another humbly in love. We walk humbly with God by saying yes to God and walking in his way for our lives. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing Equipped with God's word and compelled by his love, these girls are making a difference as they act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. Let us encourage them, pray for them, and join them. Because Micah 6 verse 8 isn't just for the girls and gems. It is for all of us. What does the Lord require of us? To act justly, to love my friends, if we just rise in body or spirit and let's sing my lighthouse. Oh, 
Lord, we give you thanks for the hope that we have in Jesus, who died but is risen and rules over us all. We praise you for his presence with us this morning. Because he lives, we look for eternal life through you, knowing that nothing past, present, or yet to come can separate us from the great love made known in Jesus Christ.
you may be seated. Almighty God, we long for peace and we long for harmony in our families, for serenity in our midst of our struggles. We long for the day when our homes will be a dwelling place for your love. We confess that we are anxious and often do not love those around us the way that we should. Look upon us with kindness, Lord, and grace. Rule in our homes and in all of the world. As a walk in your path, through the mercy of our Savior. Amen. And let's take a moment as a body of Christ to, to pray and to turn to God in a silent confession. And in these words of assurance, this is the message that we have heard from God and proclaimed to you, that God is the light, and in God there is no darkness at all. If we walk in this light, as God is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all of our sin. I'd like to invite the deacons up for our morning, morning offering. So as they come up, I'd like to offer these... Um, this prayer. God of love, you abide in us. You provide for all of our needs. You guide us in your ways. And out of the gratitude for your care, we bring you these gifts this morning. We pray that it will glorify you and help to further your kingdom. Amen.
friends in church, we have the opportunity, whether we're crying or not, to share Christ's peace with each other. So friends, look around you. This is our body. This is our, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's spread that peace with Christ, with each other. With, this is the peace of Christ is with you. Well, my friends, as you are finding your seats, um, on Family Sunday, we have a chance to remember that God speaks to us in ways that we can understand, and in different ways, through song, through prayers, uh, to big people and small people. And one of the ways that we have a chance to remember that together is by speaking uh, to our young folks and our kids. And so I would like to invite uh, all of our kids and families and children to come forward, and I want to introduce you to my friend Alva, who uh, is going to be talking to us a little bit about our scripture for today. So, if you'd like, come on up with me. There's plenty of room right down here, friends. You can sit on the steps, too. I promise not to bite you. <laughs> but you may want to look this way. All right. Do you see anything in there? No. Look through the hole. See anything? Do you see anything? You want to try? Nothing. Nothing. Well, let's, let's see if we can change it a little bit. See anything now? So what do you see? A cross. Wow, Jesus said he's the light of the world. What did Jesus do for us on the cross? He died, and what did he do after that? He rose again. Wow, but he's also the light of the world. He came to give us light. Is it fun walking in the dark? No. No, it's not. But it gave us light because he wants us to be filled with his light which is full of joy and peace and hope. And he gives us a lot to live for. And he gives us so much joy and peace and, and, and love that he wants us to spread it. Jesus wants us to be his hands and his feet so that we can go and help others and spread his love all over the place. He loved us so much. Your moms and dads love you. Your grandparents love you. But you know what? God loves you more than that. God loves you more than all the love in this room together. And God loves you that much. So you have his light inside of you. And you can spread his peace, his hope, his love, his joy to all the people around you. Because you're part of the light of Christ. Okay? So let's have a prayer. Lord, thank you for these boys and girls. Help them to grow up to be men and women who follow after your heart. Thank you for giving us your love and your joy and your peace that we can share it with others. In your name, amen. Okay, you may go back to your seats. When we come to church, 
we remember together that God is here and that God listens to us when we talk to him. That is a very amazing thing to think about. What would you say to God? Sometimes it can be hard to know. The good news, friends, is that in the Bible, God gives us lots of prayers of other people who have learned to talk to God, and we can use their words to help us to know what to say to. And so in our congregational prayer together now, I'm going to use some words from Psalm 27. If you have a Bible, if you know how to read it, you're welcome to open to Psalm 27 and follow us there. If you don't know how to read yet, or you're not sure how to read the Bible, I'll give you a couple of words that I was thinking about this morning to start. I wonder if you'd say them with me. Ready? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You can hold on to those words, and I wonder if you would pray with me now. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, today is Sunday, and the day is new, and the sun has come up this morning, and we are remembering that it is Easter time. Today we remember that you, Lord Jesus, are the light that shines in the darkness, and that you are the firstborn of God who was raised up from the dead. And so we say with the psalmist that you, God, are our light and our salvation. Whom could we fear? You are our refuge in storms our safe house in the dark, our embassy in conflict. You are our strong place. Of whom could we be afraid? We are glad to claim you as a strong place and a safe place today because the world can be scary. We follow your rule on this earth, and not everyone does yet. And in claiming you as king, your enemies have become our enemies too. And yet, though all the world is sometimes seeming to be at war, We do not fear, for we follow a living Lord who died and rose again and who promises that we will too. We think this morning of people in our world who face enemies and who walk a scary path through a dark or dangerous world. We think of people in Sudan as a fragile truce falls apart and war resumes in Khartoum. We pray for the people of eastern Ukraine as a spring offensive begins. Lord, We ask that you would be light and salvation for people who flee and refuge in this conflict. Lord, today we remember that sometimes our neighborhoods or schools can be scary places too. We remember the many victims of gun violence in the United States and today add the families of those who were killed in Cleveland, Texas. Lord, you are light and salvation. Please illumine the dark passions that drive generals or students or neighbors, to make war on each other. For it is only in your light that we see light and can possibly know freedom and peace. Gathered with your people in the house of the Lord, we ask that you would keep and protect us and keep us safe until the day when you return so that all will dwell in your house with you forever. For here we have seen true beauty, for we have learned to look on your face Here we are fed and nourished by good words. Lord, we ask this not only for ourselves, but also for those who do not yet know know you as a mighty fortress and Lord. We pray for people who share the gospel and who grow churches vocationally, 
for our partners in ministry, those here in New England and also those far away. Today in our church, we think especially of Steve Frieswick and the ministry that he is doing. We're excited about the chance to get to see him in the summertime. Please be with him as he works to help others to share your gospel. Lord, we think of the gems today too as they lead us in worship and as they strive to learn to do justice and love mercy and walk humbly with you. Help us to follow their lead as they follow you in the light of Jesus, who is truth and grace, justice and peace, humility and glory, all in one. Today, Lord, we think of those who are afraid and who live in days of trouble and who need shelter. We think of Rick L. and Jack A. as they are battling cancer and trying to regain their strength in the journey. We ask that you would sustain them. Lord, we ask that you would be with Carol L., who is back in uh, the hospital as well and struggling to find her health again. We We pray for Flo J. and for Joy W., who are healing from surgery. We thank you to have Minnie back with us again today and for the signs that she seems to be getting better. Lord, we remember Brian and Michelle and Abby and Josiah and Joanna after the passing of Ken Graves, a father and a grandfather, and someone who brought so much light to our community and to their lives. Comfort them in his uh, passing and in their grief. We remember Derek, Chuck, and Lauren, and Harold, and Barbara as they look for light after Cindy's passing, and for Steve, for Annalise, and Josiah, and Adam as they do the same after Karen's loss. Lord, gathered here, We ask that you would continue to tell us the story of Jesus just as you would tell the story of Jesus to these people so that they might know the healing and hope of your presence and so that one day they might have songs of joy to the Lord. Give them strength and longing and eyes to see your face and so find healing. Bring them sturdy hope through Christ, our God, who is our helper and who will never turn us away. Now, as we turn our hearts and minds to your word in the Bible, in John, we ask that you'd send your spirit upon us. Use Jesus' words and his revelation about light to lead us into your straight paths, for we walk very bumpy ground. Teach us how to wait for your return, Lord Jesus. And in your strength, we are waiting in the hope that we will see your goodness and behold your face with faces in the land of the living. We pray this until that day, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Today's scripture reading comes from John 8, 12 to 20. Jesus spoke to the people again. He said, I am the light of the world. Those who follow me will never walk in darkness. They will have the light that leads to life. The Pharisees argued with him. Here you are, they say, appearing as your own witness, but your witness does not count. Jesus answered, even if I give witness about myself, my witness does count. I know where I come from, and I know where I am going, but you have no idea where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I don't judge anyone, but if I do judge, I decide what is right. This is because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. Your own law says that the witness of two is what counts. I give witness about myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, Where is your Father? 
You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while he was teaching in the temple area. He was near the place where the offerings were put, but no one arrested him. His time had not yet come. This is the word of the Lord. So to help prepare our hearts this morning before the messages brought by Matthew, we're going to sing the hymn, Christ Be Our Light. Amen. It's raining today, and that always makes me sleepy. I don't know about you, but I always have more energy when the sun comes out. Maybe you feel that way too. But I wonder if you could imagine with me just for a moment today that while it was raining, the sun peaked through the clouds right up there. What would happen? We might see a rainbow. Has anybody seen a rainbow before? Yeah? I have too. Do you know what a rainbow is made of? Two very simple things. Water and light. It's made of light and water, and rainbows are very pretty. They're also a little bit mysterious, if you think about it. How does light do that? Maybe some of you have had a high school science class, 
or maybe you're in one now. One day, you surely will if you haven't. And when you have a high school science class, your teacher will probably explain to you about light. Is light a wave or is it a particle? Well, it's both. Light can be very mysterious. But so is the symbol of light. Today, Jesus is talking about water and light, and somehow when he puts the two together, we get to see something very, very beautiful and also mysterious. In John chapter 7 and 8, in this part of the Bible that we're looking at, Jesus makes some very compelling claims about light and water. They are his light and water words. They are mysterious, but they also tell us something wonderful. In John 7, just before where we started this reading in the Bible, Jesus says that he is water and that anyone who is thirsty could come to him and find a drink. That's interesting. And then in John 8, in the words that we just read, Jesus says that he is light. He is the light of the world. These are Jesus' water and light words, and they are very mysterious. What does he mean? Well, when Jesus says this, he is in Jerusalem, and there is a big feast happening there called Tabernacles. And Tabernacles was a festival of water and light. Tabernacles, we don't celebrate it anymore here, but Tabernacles was maybe the most impressive and the most important festival in the life of Israel. From what we know about this feast, it sounds like it was quite a party. For seven days and nights, People celebrated and they offered sacrifices, they sang songs, and they worshipped in the temple in Jerusalem. It was a special celebration, a feast. It was meant to help them remember how God had cared for their ancestors in Exodus. During the Feast of Tabernacles, the Israelites would build small tents made out of leaves and twigs, and for seven days they would sleep in them. Have you ever been on a camping trip with your family? It was a little bit like that, like a family camping together, stars visible through their leafy roofs. They did this every year to remember when they used to live in the wilderness, and God gave them a tent and camped with them in the desert. Tabernacles, this feast, also happened in the fall. It happened at the end of the dry season, when it had been a long time since there was any rain and the land was thirsty. And so were the crops, and so were the people. And so each day during this feast, they would go out of the temple in a procession, and they would go down the side of the temple steps to the fount of Gihon, and the pool of Siloam was there. And at a fountain, a priest would dip a golden bowl in the water, and as sunlit drops of water dripped from over his head, he would carry it and lead everybody back up the steps and they would follow him singing songs to God. They did this to remember when God made water come from a rock in the wilderness. Isn't it interesting that Jesus stands up on the seventh day of this feast, and he says, let anyone come to me who is thirsty and drink. But along with water, this feast of tabernacles also celebrated light. There was a philosopher named Philo who tells us that the timing of when they had this feast was very important. It always began in the evening, 
And it began on the day of the year when the setting of the sun was followed immediately by the rising of the moon. In other words, it began on a day of continuous light. It was a day that recalled the Exodus when God gave the Israelites a pillar of fiery light which gave them light during night and day and, f- and led them through the wilderness. During the nights of the festival in the court of women, there were four huge lamp stands with four huge bowls of oil for each lamp. They had wicks that were made of priests' garments, and every night they lit these lamps, and they kept them burning all night. People would say that the lamps made so much light that it filled the whole temple courtyard and even the city with light. And there where the offerings are stored in the court of women, where the water gate is, and where the lamps are burning, Jesus says, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is saying that this festival of water and light, it points backwards to a time when God took care of his people, and everything that they are celebrating and remembering was just a dress rehearsal for me. What an astounding thing for Jesus to say. Jesus is saying that he is God's light. What happy news! What a very mysterious thing to say. Jesus says that he is a campfire in the dark. He is a flashlight in the woods when the sun goes down. He is the sun by which you can see what you look like in a mirror. He is the very photograph of what God, the real God, looks like. Only God can say something like this. Maybe that's why the Pharisees are so upset. Only God can say something like this, and they would like Jesus to prove it. They're concerned that he doesn't have the authority to make a statement like this. You know, Jesus, they say, to say something about yourself like this in a court of law, you need two witnesses. Otherwise, you can't be telling the truth. We can't judge what you're saying because you're saying it by yourself. Jesus responds and he says, well, who said anything about a court? You're the ones who seem to be thinking that you're in a court. I'm not in a court, and I'm not giving a testimony, but if I were giving a testimony, it would be true, because God, my Father, is a witness. And who said anything about judgments? I didn't say anything about judging. However, if I did judge, it would be right, because it would be the same thing my Father would say. Jesus says that he is his own witness, and if he needed a second one, God would be his witness. Jesus can only say this because he is light and because that is the nature of light. Imagine asking the sun to justify on what basis it has the right to shine on the world. That's not how it works. The sun just shines, and by the light it shines, we see and understand everything else or we don't see anything at all. The sun just shines. Jesus is the light of God come to shine and guide and reveal, just like God did in Exodus. In the wilderness, God gave the people of Israel a pillar of fiery cloud to protect and guide them every day. Jesus says that he is the light of God who can guide us and show us how to live and where to go and what God wants. Jesus is saying that we don't see, 
that we cannot see where to go in life without him. Jesus is saying that we are blind and the world is dark without him. What a mysterious thing to say. And strange, because we have lights in our homes, we have lights on the streets. It's not usually dark outside, not really. And yet somehow we still understand what Jesus is saying. We do know what it is like to walk in the dark. Sometimes we aren't sure if God loves us. Sometimes we worry that we have done too many wrong things for God to love us. Sometimes we think that there is a sin that we have committed that is too big for God to forgive us. We know what it is like to walk in the dark about what God is like and to wonder whether or not God will accept us. Sometimes we feel blind about where to go in life or what's important. There's so many advertisements telling us where we should go or what we should be or buy or love. They do not always agree. And we're not always sure who to listen to. We do not always know what the best decision for our child is. We don't know if we should take a new job or where we should go to college or if we should go or if we'll have enough money when we retire or how long the recovery from surgery will last or if we will ever feel strong again afterwards. Sometimes it can be very hard to know how to love someone well. Friends, we have lights in our homes and cars and on the street, but somehow we still know what it is like to be in the dark and to be blind. And this is important because Jesus will only seem like light if the world is really dark. Friends, a long time ago, John Calvin a thinker and writer and preacher, said that we will never come to Jesus asking for his light until we really understand that the world is dark and that we are blind. Friends, if we all struggle to know what the right thing to do is and if we worry about things that we've done wrong and if God will forgive us, does this not tell us that we are walking in darkness and that what we need is light? What we need to know is what God is really like. We need someone who can shine the light of God's guidance, helping us to know where to take the next step, which is exactly what Jesus offers if we follow him. Jesus says, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Friends, Jesus doesn't come into the world to condemn the world, John says, for the world is already in darkness. Jesus comes to heal, not to scare. Like a flashlight in a dark forest, he is light on the move, and if we want to understand God and the way to live in the world, we must follow him. Which is what we have just finished doing together at Easter. We have followed him to a place where the sun stops shining, where he is put on a cross and condemned so that we can be set free. There he bears our sins so that we can be finally set free of them. And he is swallowed by darkness so that we can learn to see in the midst of it. There on that dark day, Jesus turns on the lights and he shows us that God does not only shine light on the world, he loves it and he loves you too. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, you are the light of the world, and that is something that we need. It's something that we understand. 
Lord, in the places in our life where we are scared to figure out who you really are, would you come and show us Jesus who shows us the full picture of what God is like and the depth of his love? In the places in our life where we aren't sure what to do next and we are worried about what the future might hold, would you come and shine light and show us your plans for us and help us to take the next step? We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Friends, would you rise in body or spirit and let's sing together.
Brothers and sisters, as those who are learning to walk in God's light and to do so together, would you join me in confessing the ancient creed of our faith? We say together, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sister, as those who have God's face turned toward us, both in strength and in weakness, in health and in sickness, I invite you to lift your hands and receive God's blessing. Friends, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. Amen. Let's go singing. Go in peace to love and serve Jesus Christ.